Unity Water is proud to sponsor this podcast series because we believe great news, great solutions and great outcomes deserve to be shared. See what we're all about at unitywater.com. You're listening to the Australian Water Association's podcast series. I'm Hazel Flynn and I'm joined now by Richard Lovett, Process Engineer, ETP Area Lead, Infrastructure Planning at Melbourne Water and we're going to be talking about the work that Melbourne Water is doing around sludge treatment. Welcome Richard. Thank you, it's good to be here. The water and sewerage industry is always looking for improvements and increased efficiencies and you set out to do this with the sludge treatment at Melbourne Water's Eastern Treatment Plant. The ETP uses anaerobic digestion. What are the benefits of this? Um, anaerobic digestion is a commonly used process to treat wastewater sludges. Uh, it has the benefit of generating biogas, which we can use to generate electricity and also heat. And at the same time, it stabilises the sludge, which means that it reduces its odour. And there's also the possibility of reuse, isn't there? There can be, yes. Hmm. Yes, and the, the stabilisation helps with that. Right. Designing a new capacity upgrade for a plant like ETP it must be a very challenging exercise. It is in the sense that um, we wanted, I guess these opportunities come along rarely and when you do upgrade capacity, uh, the expenditure is significant. And so in our case, the last time we built digesters at ETP was in 1995 and we were aware that um, technology had moved a lot since then and we wanted to explore all of the options available. So the first step, I guess, would have been creating desktop scenarios, is that right? That's a good way to start and it's a commonly used approach. So we actually modelled six of our long listed options. And um, yeah, that was a good first step to get an estimate of the digestion performance in terms of the volatile solids destruction. And the VS destruction is a key performance parameter for anaerobic digesters. Right, I imagine even creating those models must have been quite a process. It was, we worked with some very clever people at the AWMC who specialise in this sort of thing. We gave them a number of years of our process data from ETP and using that data they were able to calibrate the model. The issue was that with a couple of the options we looked at, they had to make certain assumptions where there wasn't much guidance available on what model parameters to use. Oh, okay. So what was the time frame between deciding you were going to go this route and having the models up and actually running? Oh, it would have taken, I'll say, a month between supplying the data and, and having some model data back. Um, it may have been even sooner than that. But when you're starting up a model, there is a period of, of calibration and validation before you get useful results. And of course, modelling has its limitations in terms of the, the assumptions, doesn't it, as you were mentioning? It does, it does. So one example I'll give you is the waste activated sludge at ETP is unusually degradable. And when we were looking at the thermal hydrolysis pretreatment option, there was little guidance available on how to adjust the model parameters for the impact on the waste activated sludge. And why was that? Because other, other plants had not experienced the same level of, of processing? Yeah, generally thermal hydrolysis pretreatment is applied to relatively undegradable sludges. And so the available model parameters, um, I guess, were based on those sorts of sludges. In our case, the sludge was relatively highly degradable. So as I said, there was little guidance available on how to adjust the model. Right. And the, the two main possible options that you settled on were thermal hydrolysis and recuperative thickening. What did the desktop analysis find regarding each of those? The desktop analysis did suggest an increase in volatile solids destruction in the recuperative thickening at longer solids retention times. 
and the solids retention time is the average time that a particle of sludge spends in the digester. The model also predicted an increase in, um, in VS destruction with thermal hydrolysis option as well. Right. And so at that point, were you leaning more, you know, were you leaning strongly towards one option or you're, you're, you were still open in terms of the route? Look, we were keeping an open mind and there was also a third option, which was our base case option of simply building more digesters like the ones that we had. So I'd say that during the modelling, we were keeping an open mind and just interested to see the results come in. And what was the next step? So the next step was to do a program of bench scale testing. And the reason we did that was, firstly, we were aware of the assumptions we made in the modelling and we wanted to try and validate those. And secondly, there were parameters that couldn't be modelled. So one example would be the odour of the sludge after digestion. Uh, another would be its viscosity, so essentially its flow behaviour. So the bench scale testing would enable us to learn about those parameters that we couldn't really do in any other way. And how long did that bench scale testing run? It ran for about six months. So it was, it was an extensive exercise in the laboratory um, at the AWMC here in Brisbane. And what were, the, what were the results and what was surprising? Well, there was an enormous amount of data. <laughs> um, I guess some of the key results were that uh, for the recuperative thickening option, we thought that the longer we held the sludge in the digester, the solids retention time that I spoke about, the greater the volatile solids destruction would be. But in fact, what we found was that after about 14 days, the performance plateaued. And so there was actually no advantage to running those longer solids retention times. Uh, another example would be that uh, with the thermal hydrolysis pretreatment option, we found that um, coloured compounds were generated. And um, this is known to happen with thermal hydrolysis. And it was something we were keen to understand because if we implemented that technology at ETP, we would need to look at how that might impact on our ozone demand in our downstream treatment. So that was an important process risk for us to understand. Mm. And, and what was the next step then in making the actual decision? So the actual decision was informed by the bench scale testing. It was also informed by other considerations such as cost and also process flexibility. So in the end, we settled on the recuperative thickening option. And there was a, a quite a cost uh, differential there, wasn't there, from some other options? Yes, there was. And I guess some, one of the real lessons there is about the importance of putting desktop scenarios to the test to see if they really stack up. That's right. And look, it's not feasible in every instance. And there are cases where modelling is adequate. And, and we use models all the time to, to answer operational and planning questions. But where you have parameters that you can't model, and we have significant uncertainties in the model results and where the capital expenditure on the project justifies additional expenditure on investigation, then yes, this, this sort of bench scale testing can be useful to validate the model. And I suppose also to um, delve into the assumptions. That's right, yeah. Mm. So what were some of the most interesting and rewarding parts of the exercise for you? Look, it was really great to work with the team at the AWMC. Um, I'm an engineer, I work with engineers every day, and so it was good to, to work with people from a more academic research environment, but who still had an understanding of the, uh, I guess, the applicability of the, of the research they were doing in industry. But um, yeah, look, it, it was good to get a different perspective. Um, a mentor of mine says that engineering is a team sport, and I think that's very true. Um, 
you know about your little area, but very frequently you're going to engineers and other disciplines, or in this case to researchers, when you recognise that um, you don't have the expertise to answer a question. And, and that's quite rewarding to, to recognise what you don't know, um, to be interested enough to want to find out, and then to pull in the people who can help you. Terrific stuff. And what's your next big challenge in terms of uh, work? The next big challenge will be getting the recuperative thickening built. So we'll be moving into a detailed design and construction phase, which has its own challenges and uh, its own rewards. And how long, how long does that take? How long before it's actually working, do you think? We don't have a finalised schedule as yet, but the build time, I would guess, would be in a couple of years. Right, okay. Well, good luck with it all. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you for joining us, Richard. That's been Richard Lovett, Process Engineer, ETP Area Lead, Infrastructure and Planning for Melbourne Water. Thanks for listening in.